You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Review Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Gus Edwards and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Reviews Podcast. On today's show we'll be reviewing Wrestle War 1989, featuring Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, and of course one of the most famous angles of the late 1980s. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome to the show. On Tuesdays we review a show that's been requested by a listener, and on Sundays we review Mid-Atlantic Wrestling from 1981 so make sure to catch up in the archives. This week's show was requested by Arne from Bitters, Arkansas. I think Arne may be kayfabe in his hometown there. Thanks for the request though Arne, I hope you enjoy the show. This is another show that I don't think I've actually saw before, or if I have it was over 20 years ago. I've seen the Steamboat Flare match multiple times, but I don't recognise anything else on the show. Anyway, on with the show. Wrestle War 1989, Music City Showdown. We open the show with Jim Ross and Bob Coddle, and they in- introduce the nine matches with five title matches. And then they head to the ring where the Oak Ridge Boys sing the national anthem. The first order of business from Ross and Coddle is to announce that the hair v hair stipulation in the US tag team title match is off. We'll talk more about that later on. The opening match is Doug Gilbert versus The Great Muta. So during the introduction of the show that just happened, they announced this match as the Junkyard Dog versus The Great Muta, but JYD is a no-show. I couldn't find any reason why he missed the show. Unfortunately for Gilbert, his brother Eddie got the look and charisma. Coddle claims that Muta is an expert in seven martial arts. Muta is such a big upgrade on guys like Ninja in the Great Kabuki that we've seen on Mid-Atlantic Wrestling. Eddie Gilbert comes out to cheer on his brother, but that doesn't help and Muta gets the easy win with a nice crisp moonsault from the top rope. Probably just lasts maybe three minutes or so. We go backstage and Lance Russell is interviewing Ric Flair about this being Flair's last chance to win the world title. Our next match is Hacksaw Butch Reed. This is pre-Doom, so we don't get the awesome entrance theme. And he's against Ranger Ross. It's looking over Ranger Ross's Wikipedia just to double-check that he was a legit veteran. And his military career is a shoot. I also read that he was arrested in 1996 for armed robbery. He was referred to as a motorcycle bandit as he made his escape on a Honda motorcycle. The Post and Courier from Charleston, South Carolina wrote... Ross, 36, was arrested last week at his home in Ackworth, Georgia, near Atlanta, and has been charged with being the notorious motorcycle bandit who roared away on a Honda after hitting local banks. Ross, according to a report in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, surrendered to the FBI after the robbery February the 9th at a bank downtown in Ackworth. Ross, at the time of his arrest, was a private investigator. He had also been a part-time probation officer for the city of Ackworth, responsible for collecting fines and probation fees for the city. Not a nice end to Ranger Ross's story. Teddy Long comes out to scout the match. Long's been recently fired as a referee and he's trying to get the management. This is a very basic match with little heat. 
Ross is really green here. Butch Reed gets a win with a shoulder block off the top rope. It goes maybe another five-minute match. We'll go backstage again to Lance Russell, and this time he's with Lex Luger, talking about the US title match tonight against Michael Hayes. We'll go back to the ring, and it's a bull rope match between Captain Redneck, Dick Murdoch, and Cowboy Bob Orton. As you know, of course, Bob Orton is the father of Randy Orton. This is a good brawl, but the crowd don't really get in until Murdoch takes off his cowboy boot and he hits Orton with it. Murdoch gets the win by hog-tying Orton and dropping a couple of elbows. Hart and Orton attack Murdoch after the match and they choke out Murdoch with the, the bull rope. It's time for Lance Russell again, and he's with Michael PSAs, who claims he's going to win the US title all by himself. No interference, no help by any of the Freebirds. We've got a tag team match up next. As the Simone SWAT team, Samu and Fatu, who are with Paulie Dangerously, are against the Dynamic Dudes, Shane Douglas and Johnny Ace. The Dudes come out carrying their skateboards, they're not exactly Darby Allen. The Simone SWAT team are probably better known as the Head Shrinkers, and of course Fatu is more commonly known as Rikishi, who is the father of the Usos. Johnny Ace, of course, is John Laurinaitis, the brother of Road Warrior Animal. He's also the stepfather of the Bella Twins, and in turn is the father-in-law of Daniel Bryan. Laurinaitis is now a high-ranking official in the WWE involved with talent relations. Shane Douglas, of course, really found his feet in ECW in the mid-90s, becoming one of the best heels in wrestling. Seeing him here as a fiery babyface on the outside is a bit strange. Paul, halfway through the match, Paulie dangerously randomly gets on the mic and tries to get some heat going. Douglas gets a hot tag and tries to run wild, but he's caught with a clothesline by Samu, and then Fatu hits a top rope splash. Fatu tries to slam Douglas, but Ace comes off the top rope with a drop kick, and the dudes get the upset win, which gets a pretty big pop. We're back with Lance Russell again, and he's with the three judges for tonight's main event, in case it goes 60 minutes to a draw. We've got Luthez, Pat O'Connor and Terry Funk. Next up is the first title match of the night. It's Michael P.S. Hayes challenging Lex Luger for the US title. Hayes comes out first to Bad Street USA, which is still one of the best theme tunes of all time. Luger comes out to a huge pop. Hayes is dressed like Banana Man with the long blue tights and yellow boots. It's a very punch-kick match with the occasional no-sell by Luger. Hayes eventually gets a heat after Luger misses a crossbody block and goes flying over the top rope. Luger makes his comeback, which is really just three press slams, and then he goes for the torture rack. Hayes slips out the back and hits a DDT. Hayes and Luger then collide head-to-head and also knocks down the referee. Luger's out on the on the mat and Hayes is kind of out leaning on the um, ropes. Terry Gordy comes down and he pushes Hayes on top of Luger and Hayes gets a three count and is the new US champion. Lance Russell interviews Sting about his title defence against Iron Sheik. It's going to be a clash of styles I think with that, that match. We go back to the ring and the Sheik's already out there and then Sting comes out. Rip Morgan is out there carrying the flag with Iron Sheik. Sheik makes sure that Gary Capetta announces him as a former world champion. Sting has his bleached blonde hair, but for some reason his rat tail is black. I've never seen that look for Sting before. Sheik jumps Sting before the bell with the flag and starts beating on Sting, until the Stinger just decides to no-sell it. 
the match thankfully doesn't go long. Sting finishes off Sheik with a stinger splash and then gets a submission win with the Scorpion Deathlock. Back to Lance Russell again and he's with the NWA World Champion Ricky Steamboat. The world title match is up next. It's on early but I like the idea of this. They've had some long matches and the judges are there anticipating a 60 minute draw. So putting the match on when there's plenty of time for that to happen. Ric Flair comes out with 40 women and there's not a bra between them. Looks like the arena's cold tonight. Steamboat comes up with his wife and kid, with his kids riding a horse down to the ring. What a match this is. It goes over 30 minutes at a heck of a pace. They're mixing holds and high spots together, just masterful. Even when Steamboat was working over Flair's arm for most of the first 15 minutes, the crowd stays with him the whole way. The match started off with a big chop battle back and forth. The first 10 minutes or so is Steamboat dominating Flair working over his arm. Probably one of the few blown spots by either guy in their matches is Steamboat comes up a bit short on a drop kick, but Flair still takes a bump over the top rope. After 15 minutes, the commentators are given what the judges think so far, and all three of Thez, O'Connor and Funk have Steamboat ahead. Thankfully, the NW didn't hire Cecil Peoples for this job. It takes about 20 minutes, but Flair finally gets an advantage. He gets a figure four on, but... Steamboat gets out of it, but his leg's gone. Goes to slam Flair, but his knee gives out, and Flair cradles Steamboat for the three count. And for the sixth time, Flair is the World Heavyweight Champion. Steamboat raises Ric Flair's hand after the match, as he said he would before the match. I know most people who are listening to this have probably watched this match before, but if you haven't, please watch it as soon as possible. And for those of you who have seen it, give it another watch. Just go back and appreciate it all over again. Jim Ross comes into the ring to interview Flair. Terry Funk interrupts and says he wants to be the first to congratulate Flair. He says if it went 60 minutes, he would have voted for him. He also wants to be the first one to challenge Flair for the title. Flair turns him down and says he has to defend the title against the top 10 first. Flair says Funk's been spending too much time in Hollywood. Funk says he was kidding about challenging Flair. They shake hands and Funk sucker punches him. He throws Flair to the outside. There's nobody who plays the wild man better than Funk. Funk slams Flair on the table and then he pile drives him on it. The table doesn't break which just adds to the visual. This gets huge heat. This is a perfect example on how to do an angle like this. The crowd get their big pop for the title change, but the attack doesn't come straight away. Flair and Steamboat shake hands first, and then Jim Ross comes in for the interview. It gives everybody a chance to take in the title change. Even the attack on Flair doesn't come straight away. They let it build, including Flair doing a babyface interview first. Gives the fans a chance to breathe and really adds to the scene. Too many times people get too excited with like booking angles like this. And what they try to do is, while the fans are still up over the title change, they try to bring them down straight away with the heel turn. But sometimes it's better just to let the, the fans celebrate. They don't feel ripped off because we've got to enjoy the title win. And then you get the heat for the attack. We'll go backstage and it's not Lance Russell this time, it's Joe Pedicino. And he's interviewing Nikita Koloff backstage about being special referee in the tag team title match. 
This is Koloff's return to the the NWA. He's been on and off for the past couple of years. I think he had some personal issues with his wife's health. We go back to the ring, and the tag team champions of Varsity Club are in the ring. They are Mike Rotunda and Dr. Desti Williams, and they're with Kevin Sullivan. The challengers are the Road Warriors, who come out to Iron Man, which hasn't been dubbed over to the on the network, so that adds to it. Koloff gets a big pop early, but he throws um, Kevin Sullivan out to the back. This is just a fast-paced, hard-hitting match. The match starts with about 20 minutes left in the show, so I'm assuming that they've had their time cut, as we still have the US Tag Team title match to come. The Warriors hit the Doomsday device on Williams, but when Koloff goes to make the count, Dan Spivey and Kevin Sullivan pull Koloff out of the ring and beat him down. The match breaks down and ends in a DQ for the Road Warriors. This could have been an excellent match if it had been given more time and had an actual finish. The main event for the night, or at least the final match, is for the US Tag Team titles. It's Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner, who are with Missy Hyatt, defending against the Varsity Club, which is Kevin Sullivan and Dan Spivey. This was supposed to be hair v hair, but at the start of the show they announced that the NW had deleted the stipulation because of how heated the Gilbert and Sullivan feud had gotten, which is one of the worst reasons ever. I'm not sure what the behind the scenes reason was for the for that, but to build up hair versus hair and then after people have paid for the show and the show started to take away the stipulations bad. Steiner's taken out early by Spivey, ramming his shoulder into the ring post. I'm assuming this is a real injury because Steiner doesn't actually do anything. As soon as he gets up on the apron, Sullivan pulls him off. The match is just full heat on Gilbert. Steiner does do one move, which is hitting a Steiner line on Sullivan as he's trying to pile drive Gilbert. And that gets the pin for, for Eddie Gilbert. The Varsity Club beats down both guys after the match. We end the show with Jim Ross and Bob Coddle at the desk again. And Jim Ross announces that Dr. Death and Mike Rotunda have been stripped of their World Tag Team titles due to attacking an official during their match tonight. Why they couldn't have just had the Road Warriors win the titles beyond me. But again, these types of decisions what WCW ended up synonymous with. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Next Tuesday, we'll be reviewing SummerSlam 1994, featuring Undertaker vs. Undertaker, Bret Hart vs. Owen Hart in a steel cage, and Diesel vs. Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental title. This coming Sunday, we'll be reviewing Mid-Atlantic Wrestling from the 5th of December 1981, featuring Ole Anderson, Ray the Crippler Stephen, and Big John Studd. So please check those episodes out. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please subscribe, leave a review and tell a friend. Take care of yourself and I'll talk to you again soon.